You're listening to 88.9 WDBM Impact Sports. This is Horsepower. I'm your host, Cameron Billis. Alongside me, we have a very special guest, Vince Ellis from the Detroit Free Press, who graduated from Alabama and has been a Pistons beat writer since 2008. Vince, thanks for coming on the show. What's up? And roll tides, I would imagine, in East Lansing, you guys are getting ready have some fried Wolverine next this coming Saturday, right? Oh, you know it. It's it should be a bloodbath with Spartans coming out on top. Yeah, yeah. You know, obviously with my SEC ties, I follow a college football rather closely. So it is pretty amazing how you guys have flipped the script on Michigan here in the last uh, I guess six years now. Uh, so it's it's crazy. It's amazing how that's kind of crazy as a turnaround there. Oh, most definitely. And you know, Alabama and Michigan State will. Definitely be competing for one of those final four spots. So, yeah, yeah. I remember the last time you guys played us. Though you you know how that turned out? Uh, that was that was a few years ago. <laughs> Forty-two to seven, if I remember correctly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was a different time. We have a new quarterback. You know. Okay. All right. All right. But anyway, so glad to be on your show, and let's see if we could talk some Pistons. Sounds good to me. All right. Well, big news this week out of the Pistons headquarters, is the trade drought is finally over. It's been over 415 days since the Pistons had last completed a trade. For those who don't know, the Pistons traded guard Will Bynum to the Boston Celtics for Joel yeah, Anthony. Yeah, a real blockbuster. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Got the fans tweeting about it like crazy. But, uh, Vince, tell me about you know, how this trade got started, kind of what it means for the team going forward. Well, there's several things going on here, okay? There's more. This is not just necess- this is not necessarily a Will Bynum for Joel Anthony thing. Um, probably before the training camp started, when the Pistons had Aaron Gray co- going into the season, they probably would not have been in the market for Joel Anthony. Mm-hmm. But uh, they once uh, you know Aaron Gray is out indefinitely with a cardiac episode uh, that he suffered. Uh, it sounds maybe worse than what it is, but obviously they're trying to figure out what's going on with him before they let him start playing basketball again. Um, so they needed a, uh, some extra size, uh, another big off the bench. And uh, the person who was available was Will Bynum. Um, I pretty much had an inkling, and I pretty much reported over the summer that Will Bynum probably wouldn't make it in the Stan Van Gundy regime. Um, not really his type of player. Um, but, you know, they had to wait around before trading Will Bynum because they had to wait to see what was up with Spencer Dinwiddie. And once, you know, Dinwiddie is able to recover from his uh, – Left knee injury he suffered last year at Colorado. He looks like he's ready to play now. He's probably going to play, uh, make his uh, pro debut Thursday in the last preseason game. He can assume the third point guard mantle behind D.J. Augustin and Brandon Jennings. So Will Bynum became expendable, so they finally got a chance to move him. Once they uh, realized that Spencer was ready to rock, they went ahead and moved um, Will Bynum and um, Joel Anthony fits a need. A backup big, obviously, with Greg Monroe, Andre Drummond, and Josh Smith, and probably even Jonas Drebko probably will fill kind of a stretch four role. The minutes for backup minutes won't be a lot for him, but that being said, he's a professional, a veteran. Um, obviously, over the course of 82 game schedule, he will be called upon at some point, and he's a guy that probably can go in, fill a role, not not miss assignments. A guy who knows, been there, you know veteran leader you know been a part of two championship teams with Miami so Pistons thought it was a good fit well I ask you this the Pistons had signed Hashim Thabit to a non-guaranteed deal and they just released him but 
you know, do you think maybe they sold a little low on Bynum for a guy that might not be that much better than Thabit, especially since the Pistons still are one deal over the roster limit, so another move has to be on the horizon. I would disagree with that. Uh, Sheen the Beat has not done anything in the league at all. Um, he, he's been pretty much camp fodder. Um, he's been pretty much a major bust. Joel Anthony, you know, he, he did start on some of those those, those championship teams in Miami. Um, he's a shot blocker. He's a good rebounder. And also, you remember Sheen the Beat. My uh, my my main cause memory of him is like. DeJuan Blair just shoving him out of the way and he's yanking the ball from him and throwing him to the ground. <laughs> um, pretty vivid image. Um, no one's doing jo- that, that's Joel Anthony, okay? <laughs> no yeah, that, that's <laughs> no true. Uh, so I was, uh, and so, you know, and again, um, I, I made this joke on Twitter the other day after I had a series of tweets with one with one fan, I said, guys, you all realize we're sitting here discussing breaking down the 14th guy on the roster, right? So <laughs> a whole lot of time analyzing the 14th guy on the roster, I just, I think there's better things to do with our time than to analyze who the 14th guy on the roster is going to be. <laughs> yeah, very good point. Now, moving on, Pistons yeah. have had some injury problems the last week or so, especially at the shooting guard position. Jody Meeks is out six to eight weeks with kind of a freak back injury, and Contavious Caldwell-Pope hurt his knee against the Wizards. Fortunately, that's not as bad as many people expected it to be, but would you expect the Pistons to kind of solve those shooting guard problems internally or externally? Well, right now, um, I think they're they're okay um, internally. Um, they think Contavious Caldwell Pope will be ready for um, the season opener, and he'll probably be the starting shooting guard, considering the fact Jody Meeks is not available. But that being said, you're probably getting at that rumor about out there about uh, Chase Buttinger, maybe mm-hmm. what you're getting at. Yep. Um, I was talking to someone today about that, and you know, I was told there's not a whole lot of legs there. Um, Chase Butter, somebody's available, and they're they've, uh, uh, I guess exploring. I guess is what the term how the term was used to me, but I did not get the sense that they're going to make a move because they really like Contavious a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and here's my main thing about Chase Butter. Here's what. Okay, look at the Pistons roster. Okay, of the guys that they can trade right now. Who on their roster do you think Chase Butterger is better than? Oh, that's a good point. That's, I, 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 I don't Butterger disagree with you. Good. I agree. Yeah, I think so, I think he's him and Cartier Martin and Singler are all probably at the same level. Yeah, and I, I think Singler's a better player than Chase Butterger. Um, I think Cartier Martin provides a defensive toughness that I don't think Chase Butterger provides. Uh, he might Chase Butterger might be more skilled, but. And also, you got to think they can't trade Cardi Martin now anyway. I don't think because typically mm-hmm. when you sign free agents, you can't trade them to December fifteenth anyway. Yeah. Um, typically free agents. So you look at the guys. I like Kyle Singler better. Karan Butler maybe, but Karan Butler is a veteran guy. Another free agent they signed, so they can't move him either. So I I, I really don't see the fit to that much. It it would seem to be a very lateral move, or even some cases maybe even move backwards than what they already have. So. Um, you know, we'll we'll see. And I think they may have called and inquired about Chase Buttinger when, you know, when they didn't know whether Contavious Caldwell Pope would be right back. So just in a panic, you know, just trying to have somebody. But I don't I don't know. But someone told me today said there's there's no legs there. Uh, they were they explored it. They knew it was available. So apparently there was something they there's something there to it. But I got the sense there's not a whole lot of legs to it. But I just I can't I can't figure out anybody or the wings they have. Who Chase Butterger is better than? I just can't. So that's my main thing. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting. I read your piece earlier on uh, the Free Press's website about how the Pistons 
could go with their big lineup more often than people expect. And against Atlanta, the Pistons went with a smaller lineup with a two-point guard system. Is that something that, you know, I'd say Josh Smith at the three and then shifting Singler, like you said, Crom Butler down at the two, brings more to the lineup than someone like Chase Buttinger would? Well, um, here's one thing about it is this. Uh, he really wants a continuous call with Popo or Jody Mix at the other two spot because, as Stan puts it, a lot of good defensive teams, they take away your initial probe. Uh, obviously, let's say Brandon Jennings run a pick and roll on one side of the floor. Um, he thinks that Contavious and Jody Meeks gives him the ability to they can swing it quickly to the other side and get, get into pick and roll action with one of those guys. Um, he really can't do that with Kyle Singer or Karan Butler, so they're limited in that way. Uh uh, but again, with Chase Buttinger, I think they're in the same boat, though. Mm-hmm. They're pretty much all – you could argue who's a better player, I guess, but they're pretty much all the same player. You're not running any pick-and-roll action with Chase Buttinger. He's a spot-up three-point shooter just for the, most, for the most part, just like those guys. And I I would say Kyle Singler actually does more things, actually, than Chase Buttinger. So uh, I think you're going to see Caldwell call a Pope. If, obviously, maybe not the first game of the year if he's not able to go, but obviously he, they expect him to be back relatively soon. And yeah. so, uh, and, and, and uh, I, I don't think he really wants to play a whole lot of uh, Jennings and Austin in the same backcourt because he's scared of the size. Uh-huh. But obviously, if the matchup's dictated and he needs some creativity back there and he needs to get some action going, he's not afraid to go to it. Well, I'll ask you this. Spencer Dinwiddie, as you said, is, should be back any game now. Now, he is listed as a point guard, but at 6'6", mm-hmm. he could fill that shooting guard spot. Is that a role that him and Jennings could be out there at the same time or him and Augustine? I could see that happening, but here's what I would say on Dinwiddie. He just started doing five-on-five stuff last week. The day was his second day doing five-on-five, full participant, doing everything that everybody else was doing in practice. To expect him to contribute, I guess, eight days from now, I think might be unrealistic. I, I Typically, it doesn't work that way. You got to remember, the guy hasn't played basketball, period, since yeah. January, and suddenly you're throwing him into an NBA game. So I really don't think there's a viable option. Um, I stand and rule out him being a part of the rotation this year. But that being said, I just think him being able to help the team by opening night in Denver, I think that might be asking a little bit too much. All right, well, I want to get into the Stan Van Gundy hiring and the effect he's had on the team. He's been a winner everywhere that he's been. He's never missed the playoffs as a head coach. Is the best track record of a Pistons coach since the Larry Brown days. What has he brought to the clubhouse. What are kind of the players saying about him and just the effect that he's had on the locker room in general? Well, the main thing I get from him is that he's bringing a competency to the coaching position that, as you put it, they have not had in an organization since the Larry Brown days. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the people that believes that the Pistons talent was probably better than their record last year. Mm -hmm. Um, But the coaching they got last year was atrocious, probably the worst coaching in the league. Um, uh, Morris Sheets was a nice guy and everything. um, But uh, if you look at how things were and just some of the things you see them doing now in the preseason, um, it's, 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 it's like, it's like night and day. Um, They have an actual game plan. You see like, them doing things you actually see you have an understanding of what they're trying to get accomplished and sometimes with Mo it just basically be all right uh they'd run one pick and roll 
the next thing you know, Brandon Jennings is out 30 feet away from the basket <laughs> with like 10 seconds left on the shot clock. <laughs> okay, well, now what? <laughs> and a lot of times he throw a pass to Josh Smith and Josh Smith will launch a three. <laughs> and cause, you know, there really was no cohesion and it was a, it was just a complete mess. Um, we were talking to a player earlier in camp and uh, I'm not going to say who the player was, but <laughs> And we got to talking about systems, and the guy mentioned uh, uh, Lawrence Frank's system, and he mentioned uh, 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 Stan Van Gundy's system. And of course, uh, a smart Eleki sports reporter goes, "What about Mo's system?" <laughs> and the player breaks down to us and goes, "The player breaks down to us and says, here's Mo. Come on, you guys know better than I do. Let's do this.' Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> there wasn't a whole lot of coaching going on. <laughs> well, I mean, do you think that this Van Gundy move resembles kind of a change of not scenery, but you know the steps that Tom Gores has taken as an owner? It seemed at first he relied so much upon Joe Dumars and for Joe to make all those moves. But do you think this is a changing of the guard that Gores is now more of a respected guy, makes more decisions for the team overall? Well, I, I don't know. Uh, you know what? That's probably a fair uh, uh, analysis. Uh, he first bought the team. They probably know a whole lot about the NBA. They inherited a guy, you know, with a pretty good resume in Joe Dumars. You know, he won a championship in 04. So, you know, okay, well, shoot, let's listen to this guy and let him, you know, guide the way, you know. Let's bring him aboard for another three years and see how it goes. And, you know, after last year, uh, they they saw that all, they, all they've done for three years is lose. Uh, uh, not a, the palace is empty on a lot of nights, or half empty, rather, on a lot of nights. And, you know, and they – They've probably been around for three years, and they've probably looked at things. They've probably talked to their advisors, and they've looked at stuff, and they've probably know a little bit more about the game of basketball now than they did when they first bought it. So they went out and said they had a better idea of what they wanted in an executive. And they they decided, you know, uh, the Pistons are, are a franchise that, uh, you know, coaches not necessarily being on the same page with the front office. You know, they said, you know what, we want to have a guy who does both so we can make sure that – uh, everybody's on the same page, so they're going out and see how it works with Stan Van Gundy. And as you put it, the, uh, he is uh, his coaching resume is um, is uh, um, is spotless. Um, it's great, but um, will it work here? That's the question mark, and that's why sports. That's why we watch because we still don't know what's going to happen. We can't predict what's going to happen. We can't predict the future. Now I'll get back to a couple roster questions before you let you go here on 88.9 WDBM Impact Sports. This is Horsepower chatting with Vincent Ellis, the Pistons beat writer for the Detroit Free Press. The Pistons, as I mentioned earlier, have one uh, extra player on their roster than they're allowed to. Is Tony Mitchell the odd man out, or could a weird trade be on the horizon? Well, obviously, there's always a trade possibility, but, you know, um, they kind of made a move already. Um, they got rid of a guy who kind of, like, had some value in Will Byram. Uh, and to your point earlier about Will, you said that maybe they got – they sold – they didn't get enough for Will. Will Byram is a third point guard. He – I, I know people get caught up in those – he scored 26 points in a quarter, and I was there that night he scored 26 points in a quarter. He could be a really fun player to watch sometimes, but there are a lot of nights where he was a disaster. Uh, and I like Will personally, but I, I really don't like his game. Um, it's not really a consistent, consistent game. Um, it's really ebb and flow to be like really spectacular one night and not so spectacular the next. Um, 
hurting them. Matter of fact, hurting the team almost on uh, some nights. Uh, so what you could get for Will Bynum, I think you got about what you could get for Will Bynum and Joel Anthony. Um, that being said, uh, to your, back to your original question, uh, yeah, Tony Mitchell appears to be the eye, the eye guy out there. If you look at the whole roster, um, almost everybody brings a skill that could potentially come into handy, obviously, with Joel Anthony. Um, rugged defense, can shop block shots, veteran presence. Um, uh, even uh, Jonas Jarebko, he's probably going to be in the playing rotation. He's a stretch forward. He's a energy guy. He does things that a team needs. And they, with with uh, behind the big three, they're a little thin up front anyway. So Jonas hangs around there. Mm-hmm. Even Didi Detomi, he can. He didn't show it a whole lot last year, but he the thought process is he can shoot a little bit. So mm-hmm. you know, if an injury situation, maybe you need Detomi. I don't really see a skill set that Tony Mitchell has that they really need. Um, I, I, I don't really think I, – I question whether he's an even NBA player. Uh, he's not very instinctive, um, good athlete, but I don't think he's any, he's not this great spectacular athlete. Uh, so he would appear to be the guy out. So obviously unless a trade's made or something. Now is that something that the Pistons might send Mitchell down to their new – D League team, the Grand Rapids Drive, and how is how are they going to fill that roster out? Uh, they have to fill the roster out, and I'll be honest with you, I'm not up on all the D League rules. Excuse me, <laughs> uh, but that being said, uh, Tony Mitchell, if they let D- Tony Mitchell go, he would have to be free to go anywhere he wanted to. Um, you know, I would seriously doubt that he probably he would not agree probably to go to the Grand Rapids franchise, but I guess he could. But, you know, he probably would go uh, – if he got waived, he would uh, he would uh, either try to hook up with another team or, who knows, probably a lot of times uh, overseas can be more lucrative mm-hmm. um, for these guys and necessarily screwing around for a veteran's minimum uh, deal with a guy who's making – guy's only in the second year in the league, so that wouldn't be a whole lot of money there anyway. So he might make more money overseas anyway. So, um, but yeah, that that being said, he he looks like uh, from my analysis of the roster, anyone who looks at the roster would say that Tony Mitchell would be the guy that's on the on the outside looking in. All right, now last question before we let you go. Like you said, the Pistons on paper, it seems like they have a more talented roster than what their record indicated from last year. Realistically, what are the team's expectations? How good can this team be? I see them as being potentially a five to six seed if they reach their peak. Now, a lot of people see them don't even make in the playoffs. What What's your thoughts on that? Um, right now, I'm leaning toward them making the playoffs, but I'm probably in the middle between what you're saying and what those critics are saying. Uh, I think there's enough talent there for them to like maybe eke out 39, 40, 41 wins and get the eight, an eight spot in the in the in the, in the playoffs. So. That's what I'm saying right now, and I reserve the right to change my mind, though. All right. Well, Vince, we appreciate you coming on the show. You're always welcome back. And, uh, you know, you can, for those listening out there, you feel free to follow Vince on Twitter, at Vincent underscore Ellis 56. And, you know, read his stuff on the free press. It's great stuff. I love keeping up with all your pieces, and, you know, I wish you the best. Thanks, Cameron. It was, it was fun. Again, good luck this weekend against Michigan. Uh, thanks, and good luck to the Tide. All right, take care. Thanks. All right, this is 88.9 WDBM Impact Sports. This is Horsepower. For all the latest and greatest in Detroit and MSU sports news, make sure to check out our website at impact89fm.org backslash sports. Or you can follow us on Twitter at MSU Impact Sports. This is the Horsepower. I'm your host, Cameron Billis. 
Colin Jackson will be alongside us next time. Uh, we'd like to thank Vincent Ellis again for coming on the show and, you know, have regular season basketballs right around the corner. The Pistons have one preseason game left Thursday night against the 76ers, but then it's off and going. The 82-game season will be underway. Greg Monroe will be out the first few games of the season due to his DUI. The Pistons open up on the road at Denver, and Colin and I look forward to bringing you all the latest and greatest in the Pistons news. So again, make sure to check out our website at impact89fm.org backslash sports. This is the Horsepower, Cameron Billis. Thanks for listening.